well, well. Welcome to your favorite Thursday podcast. I'm Nick Mitchell. And I'm Scott Tedford Barnes. And you are listening to Legends of Sportsball, an educational celebration of useless jock knowledge. Thank you for joining us. We have a very special episode for you today. Doubly the special. All double on the special. Today is the Sunny Reds opening day. Mm-hmm. And it's April Fool's Day. You fool. So we've got some special segments today. First, we'll get on with the we'll start with the scoreboard stumper, of course. We'll get into our new category, Flex Seal of the Week. We've got a couple notable jabronis. We have a great moments in jabroni history, semicolon April Fool's edition. Uh, Hall of Fame inductee. Mario Soto. We'll get that stumper answer. We'll play sloppy top. We've got a confessional and T's and P's when we go to church, and we'll send you on your merry little way. Yeah. Happy opening day. And happy April Fool's Day as well. Uh, so without further ado, hit me with that scoreboard stumper, Scotty. All right. So the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, they debuted in 1998. I want to know. Well, so they had their first ever opening day in 1998. I want to know who was the first ever Tampa Bay Ray to hit a home run. It was done on opening day, but who was the first Ray to do it? So was it Randy Wynn? Was it Fred McGriff, the crime dog? Or was it Quentin McCracken or Wade Boggs? I'm going to go Randy Wynn. Randy Wynn, okay. Randy Wynn for the win. <laughs> All right, so now we'll get into Flex Seal. So each week we will recognize a franchise transaction that in no way fills the needs of its organization. The super strong waterproof tape. That can instantly patch, bond, seal, and repair. This week's Flex Seal of the Week is... Houston Texans wide receiver, Chris Conley. Yeah. So the Texans are in dire straits as just an organization entirely. They don't even know if they're going to have a quarterback this season. Between him, between Deshaun Watson wanting a trade and is now um, escalating 19 um, uh, accusations and incidences. they don't know who their quarterback's going to be. They lost Will Fuller in free agency to the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. He sounds like he wants to play there for life. He's so excited to be gone. Yeah. You know, they gave up DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. Johnson. That really panned out. And I believe a draft pick. Yeah. Um, and then they try to flex seal it with, they try to flex tape it with Houston Texans wide receiver, or, or former Jets and Jaguars wide receiver. No, Kansas City and, and, and Jags. Kansas City, yeah. that's right. And, yeah, Chris Conley, who had, what, 471 yards last season and two touchdowns. And two tuds. So you, you lose Fuller and Hopkins, and you say, you know what? <laughs> Flex seal it, Chris Conley. <laughs> Congratulations on Chris Conley being our inaugural uh, Flex Seal of the Week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that leads perfectly into our classic category, Notable Jabronis. Our uh, first notable jabroni is the U.S. men's soccer team. Yeah, so the men's team now have failed to make the Olympics three old summer Olympics in a row. The funny thing is they even had an extra year to do it because of COVID. So <laughs> the women's team have won gold in the last two Olympics back-to-back, and the men's 
can't even qualify to make the Olympics. And yet the men are probably getting paid more and all this too. So what is this even about? Like there isn't, there is no national team except for the women's team at this point. It's pretty hard to argue with, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with how messed up the pay deal is there on that. But okay. So, um, our next, uh, notable jabroni is former national hockey league referee, Tim Peel. After um, a hot mic call on a Nashville Predators penalty. Um, Peel 53. He was due to retire after this season anyway, but he's been <laughs> official since 99. Refereed uh, way too many games for you to be comfortable if you know he's been doing shit like this. Yeah. But anyway, he he tried to he was mic'd up and didn't realize it when he told the other referees that he wanted to make a, a makeup call yeah for a mistake call from earlier he's like yeah we totally owed them one or something <laughs> <laughs> like wow yeah <laughs> you were like immediate immediately nominated for jabroni of the year yo know, he was like f- fired right on the spot like he was yeah. sacked right right then and there <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it's April Fool's Day, so we will do a special April Fool's edition of Great Moments in Jabroni History. Sid Finch. Sid Finch. So in 1985, George Plimpton, who is pretty much known as a, like a fiction writer, but also he wrote for Sports Illustrated. He's a big sports fan. He wrote about Alex Karras, one of our favorites. Um, so Plimpton was asked to commemorate April Fool's Day... Uh, falling, falling on the same day as opening day that year with just some kind of article. So he created a character named Hayden Siddhartha Finch, who is supposedly a rookie baseball pitcher who was in spring training camp with the New York Mets. Uh, he also only wore, wore one shoe, which was a heavy hiker's boot. And uh, Finch, who had never played baseball before, was attempting to decide between a sports career and one playing the French horn. Uh, Plimpton also made it up that uh, Sid Finch could throw a 168-mile-per-hour fastball, and um, he threw it with pinpoint accuracy, and he did it with no warm-up. <laughs> the thing is, they even gave him, like, a locker between uh, Daryl Strawberry and George Foster. So he has. they gave him a, fi- a fake locker between George Foster and Daryl Strawber- Strawberry, and um, they made it like a baseball card for him. And so all these Mets fans fell for it. They were like, oh, my God, Sid Finch is going to be huge. And it wasn't announced till April 15th that it was a joke. Can you imagine? Yeah. And um, they they released a, a statement that said, uh, they said, uh, he's a pitcher, part yogi, and part recluse. Impressively liberated from our opulent lifestyle, Sid's deciding about yoga and his future in baseball. The first letters of each of those words for that sentence spell out Happy April Fool's Day. And people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> deep fake. Yeah, big deep fake. So Sid Finch, I definitely want a Sid Finch jersey or baseball card. Um, but yeah, um, those the Mets fans in 85, 85 got duped big time. Great so, moments in Jabroni history. Indeed. All right, without further ado, we will get into our special opening day inductee, Mario Soto. Mario Melvin Soto was born July 12, 1956, in Bonnie, Dominican Republic. 
Though very little is known about his upbringing, Mario is known to, for his very fiery temper from an early age. The Cincinnati Reds would go on to sign Mario at the age of 16, citing, citing that the youngster had a solid hard fastball in the mid to low 90s and a mind-baffling circle changeup. While developing in the minor leagues, Soto would learn a slider and a curveball, but he would rarely use those pitches until much later in his career. The right-handed throwing Soto would make his major league debut in 1977 at the age of 20 for the Cincinnati Reds and would work his way into the starting rotation by 1980. Once he broke in as a starter, Mario would begin to strike out batters in mass, punching out 182 batters between 12 starts and also bullpen appearances for the 80 season. In 1981, the Reds further committed to Soto to starting putting him out on the bump for 25 starts in which he'd finished with a record of 12 wins and 9 losses, striking out 151 batters in his first season as a starter. In the major leagues, being named the opening day starter was both an honor and a nod to the pitcher that the manager and the team believe you can lead them to victory out on the mound. Mario would be named the opening day starter for the 1982 season, and though the Reds would lose that day, he would return as the opening day starter every year until the 1987 season. For the 82 season, Soto would make the all-star team while leading the league in strikeout-to-walk ratio and strikeouts per nine innings, striking out a massive 274 batters and finishing with a 14-win season but ninth in Cy Young voting. Robbed. Okay, so 1983 would feature the return of Mario to the all-star game as he compiled a record of 17 wins and 13 losses, tossing a league-leading 18 complete games. <laughs> and striking out 242 batters along the way. Soto would also lead the league in home runs allowed and would unfortunately finish second in Cy Young voting. Soto would go 18-7 and seven the following year, once again leading the league in complete games with 13, but would finish sixth in Cy Young voting and receiving an all-star nod. Statistically, Soto had his best years in 83 and 84, collecting a record of 35-20, and 20, with a 292 ERA. However, the Cincinnati Reds in the 80s were forgettable and frustratingly joyless. Truly. Twice during the 84 season, that frustration was on display from Soto. Story time. On May 27th, 1984, at Wrigley Field against the Cubs, Ron Say hit what was originally ruled a home run off of Soto. Reds manager Vern Rapp and Mario disputed the call, believing it to be a foul ball. During the heated argument, Mario shoved third base umpire Steve Ripley, who made the call. After the umpires met to discuss, the ball was ruled foul, but Soto was to be ejected for shov shoving Ripley, prompting the pitcher to charge the field and tackle Cubs third base coach Don Zimmer, who had tried to stand between the enraged Soto and Ripley. Both benches cleared, and a brawl would ensue for 10 straight minutes. Four days later, NL president Chubb Feeney, what a great name, Chubb Feeney, suspended Soto for five games. Got a short clip of that. The rule was a fair ball. He thought apparently it curved around the pole. But had it done that, it would have probably gone out of the ballpark. Now let's see what they're going to rule. There's Bob Engel talking to Jim Fry. Whoa, look at this! Soto. 
In the second incident, on June 16, 1984, the Reds were playing the Braves in Atlanta. Brave slugger Claudel Washington homered off Soto in the first inning. In his second at-bat, Mario threw a brushback pitch at Washington, almost knocking him down. In the second pitch, Soto threw inside, but Washington let go of his bat in the direction of Soto. Initially, Washington made to go get the bat. And he even uh, he even looks at his hands for yeah. a second. Uh, but instead, walked toward the mound, and when umpire Lanny Harris attempted to intervene, Washington threw him to the ground. Soto then sucker-punched Washington with a ball in his hand, and both benches cleared. Several <laughs> Braves players attempted to pin Claudel down to restrain him, at which point Soto, who had recovered the game ball, proceeded to try to throw the ball at Washington, but struck Braves <laughs> coach... Joe Pignatano's shin. Soto was suspended another fi- another five games and fined five thousand dollars. You never get want to get a letter from Chubb Feeney. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call getting chubbed. Yeah. <laughs> Washington leads off. He homered off Soto and then was really knocked down by Soto. And Claudel very unhappy about that. And the bat flew out of his hands. Let's and watch now it. Soto Let's waves watch. Claudel. Let's watch here. Soto and, and Claudel, there they go. Bill Ardello, Bill Ardello tackled Claudel. And now both teams are out there. Both teams are out on the field fighting. It was Bill Ardello who came from behind to tackle Claudel. Soto, I don't know if you saw that, Soto kind of waved him on with his hand, and that's all Claudel needed. By, by 1986, Soto's performance had deteriorated due to shoulder issues, and he once gave up four home runs in one inning in late April, becoming the 11th pitcher to ever do so. In 1987, Mario would lose his opening day starter role to the 27-year-old Tom Browning, though he would return to that role in 1988 in what would be his final season. Many credit manager Pete Rose for the destruction of Soto's shoulder and career. Rose often would start Soto on only three days of rest, at one point doing so 19 times in his 36 starts in 1985, when Soto was just 28. After multiple attempted comebacks to greatness, Mario Soto's shoulder was ruined, and he would retire at the age of only 31 in 1988. He threw a lot of complete games. (laughs) Yeah. In a 12-season career, all with the Reds, Soto would finish with a compiled record of 100 wins and 92 losses with a 347 ERA, striking out 1,449 batters in 1,730 and one-third innings. Pitched. Mario Soto would never go far from the game of baseball in the years that followed. In 2001, Soto was inducted into the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame and also worked off and on with the team as a pitching coach. Mario is widely credited throughout the organization for teaching Edinson Volquez and and Johnny Cueto their change-ups. Mario currently works for the Reds front office, an organization in which he also holds the record for most opening day starts with six. And with that, play ball. Hell yeah. Mario Soto, truly a legend. Yeah, indeed. Without further ado, let me get that stumper answer. Okay, so what I wanted to know was, 
the Tampa Bay Rays had their first opening day in 1998. On that day, one of their players hit the first ever home run in Rays history and their first ever opening day home run. So I want to know who was that? Was it Randy Wynn? Was it Quentin McCracken? Was it the crime dog Fred, Fred McGriff? Or was it Wade Boggs? God rest his soul. Yeah, I just felt like Boggs doesn't hit a lot of home runs, and I figure it's probably somebody random as hell, so I'm going with the Winmeister. It was Boggs. It was Boggs. <laughs> just another Boggs legend for you. <laughs> I had a baby. Wade Boggs. <laughs> First ever. Tampa Bay Rays home run. That was, I even looked at that like, is he was still in the league? <laughs> That's a good one. Good job. Let's play Sloppy Top. Yeah. Sloppy Top, our wordplay segment. This week's Sloppy Top topic is dot, dot, dot. From 1876 to 1989, the Reds were the first baseball game on opening day. In 1990, the tradition was broken. What should we call the new current era of baseball in which the Reds' opening day privilege has been stripped? Yeah. So, yeah, they have games in, like, Tokyo now or something, and, and it's just, like, the Reds used to, it used to be tradition, and now it's just, you know, after, after that, you just shit on us. But, I mean, they still have hosted opening day, but it used to be the Reds played, and then everybody else played. So, the new era, the new era since then, what shall we call it? So, we're calling, so, basically, the era of baseball we're in right now is Pandora's box. Right. It's been opened. It's the thing is, it keeps evolving too. So it's like a virus too. Like, seriously, like now guys are just pimping their home runs. For, for, but Tatis is awesome. So he keeps, can, he can do whatever he wants. But like, it's, it's the games evolve so much. It's just like, it's, it's been open. But it's a good, it's a good thing. It's going to keep evolving because some of these teams are going to learn how to hit against the shift. And so there's like definitely a lot of room for it to grow. Yeah. I could definitely see it like coming back around to some of like the Moneyball era <laughs> ideology. Yeah. That they've sort of gotten away from now that there's even more statistics. It sort of proves that there are other ways to do it. Um, this is like the Attitude Era. <laughs> Trevor Bauer and shit. Yeah, yeah, Trevor Bauer, Tatis, like Joey Bats. <laughs> right. If we were looking for like an era of like right now, right now, but this is supposed to be like everything post nineteen ninety. But that's so you had you had like the you, so you had. But the thing is, nineteen ninety, the year they took it away from the Reds, was the Nasty Boys. So it was beginning. It was the beginning of the Attitude Era. <laughs> the Attitude Era has only gotten crazier since then. All right, it's the Attitude Era then. I'm good with that. I like that. Yeah, it, you know, little throw. Uh, little. Between guys like Bauer and Tatis, like it really is become so much more so. Like Amir Garrett is a throwback to like the Mario Soto types, you know. <laughs> Trevor Bauer is going to drive a beer truck in the Dodger Stadium and, and douse Paul Manfred and Budweiser, like Stone Cold, <laughs> Attitude Era style. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Attitude era. Our sloppy top topic answer. Now we will go to church. First, we will go to confessional. A sinner comes before you. Shame. Scotty, you got a confession? Yeah, I have to confess. So, someone said the other day that the 2017 uh, 
pitcher for opening day for the Cincinnati Reds was Scott Feldman. And I have to confess that I didn't know who Scott Feldman was then, and I still don't know who Scott Feldman is now. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little concerned that it may be too far of not knowing Scott Feldman to, to get any help about it. <laughs> so if we ever switch roles and I'm in charge of scoreboard stumper, I know to use... Anything that says Scott Feldman trivia or or, da- or Daniel Jones <laughs> or Daniel or Jones apparently <laughs> from last season. That's a throwback. Who? All right, so um, we'll move on to thoughts and prayers. Um, we'll get Mick Cronin on there again. Uh, they're now in the Elite Eight. Um, yeah, go UCLA. All you had to do was leave Cincinnati to get past the first round. <laughs> And then also thoughts and prayers to Scotty over here. Uh, hit it hard, um, which was a sloppy top answer for what to name Scotty's fantasy team. Yeah. It it's, also, a, it's a team that you as the listeners will, will, will all be vested in this team. We're all part of uh, the hit hard team. It's pretty much like one of the best songs ever written, composed, or recorded. It's by John Daly. Just look at, just type in John Daly, hit it hard. It's probably the greatest song of all time. <laughs> just go ahead and do it. Um it also won. It also won a sporty for yeah song of the year. It won a golden peach yeah. for song of the year last year yes, at the Legends of Sports Ball Sporties award show. So hit hard drafts ninth. So thoughts <laughs> and prayers to Scotty. Yeah, I'll need it. Hopefully he will lead us to the promised land <laughs> out of the Attitude Era. <laughs> so don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and check out our other episodes available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legends of Sportsball. Find us on Twitter at L Sportsball. Tune in next week when we deep dive Bip Roberts. The Bipster. Thank you once again for listening to Legends of Sportsball. May the sports be with you. Always. <laughs>